eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Total Car Score podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. Welcome back to the Total Car Score podcast with Carl Brower and Lauren Fix. And um, we are in what I usually call the most unproductive time of the year, the week after Thanksgiving and after the New Year's parties. But this year is even worse. Right. How are you, Lauren? I'm good. I, I escaped New York, went down to sunny Florida a few weeks ago, and I'll tell you what, it's been fabulous. Nothing better than avoiding the snow. <laughs> but I do miss the drive events where I see you both face to face and, you know, at the Honda party and the Ford parties and all the different parties where we kind of get a chance to talk to executives rather than just hear them pitch us constantly. So I do miss this time of year. And, and you're probably right. It's typically the most unproductive time of the year, other than the cars that we're getting because of NACTOY, North American Car and Truck of the Year. Um, we're now coming down to the final votes. Yeah, we have another election. <laughs> How are you, Carl? This one, there'll be no fraudulent uh, ballots. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think someone's going to, you know, try to get some mail-in ballots to screw up our NACTOY, but we're going to see. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm doing well. That would you know, be interesting, I... <laughs> considering Deloitte counts them all. <laughs> yeah, I know. Which brand is going to call for our recount? <laughs> oh, you know, it'll be Ford and uh, I'm going to say Honda because they're the ones that like they scramble for the votes. They really, really want them because to them it equals sales. And, you know, being that the North American Car and Truck of the Year equals one of the top three awards, Car and Driver, Motor Trend and Nactoy are the ones that equal sales. And that's the ones they want. Yeah. By the way, Motor Trend announced uh, its Truck of the Year today or this week. Uh, no surprise, I guess, or maybe I don't know. What do you think? The uh, Ram TRX. I mean, I think Ford might feel a bit snubbed because uh, the Ford F one fifty is all new, and both those vehicles are in the Nactoy running right now too. Um, and I think you know it's 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 going to be one of those two because the other two trucks are the Jeep Gladiator Mojave, which really isn't a big enough change, and the Ford Super Duty, which is an important truck, but not really a consumer important truck, mainstream truck for consumers, which the award mostly appeals to. So it's really down to the F-150 or the new TRX. And um, I don't know, I I think <laughs> I shouldn't say this on a podcast, but let's just say that there are certain companies that seem to always do well with Motor Trend. I'll just say that. Okay. That's true. <laughs> well, we, we already know the facts and I'll call it out if you won't. 
A lot of these awards are paid awards. How much <gasps> ad dollars are you wait, wait, to put into our saying? publication? <laughs> okay, I want to say what I remember from a few years ago when the Alfa Romeo Julia came to the U.S. for the first time. I won Car of the Year for Motor Trend. It was obviously on the cover. And then 10 pages of uh, articles, pictures, specs, and all that. And like another 30 pages of advertisement. So I don't know if that's a coincidence mm. or not. Well, you didn't mention Very the most interesting. interesting. You didn't mention the most interesting part of that story, um, Javier. That the uh, test car left uh, one of their top editors, that all of us know and most of the listeners might know, stranded during the test process because it broke down. But, anyways, did I say that out loud? Shh, never mind. <laughs> Maybe they have a really good roadside assistance. Ah, yes. That's, that's part of the They experience. do, actually. They all, all new cars are starting to do that. Okay, let's go, let's go back to our award. Uh -huh. that we know a little bit more about it. So, Carl, you recently drove the F-150. I did, too. And I think Lauren already has driven it. Mm -hmm. So, what's your opinion uh, in general, Carl? You know... Before I drove the F-150, I was actually leaning a bit toward the TRX. I just thought, you know, it's it's going to be such a cool like statement of what they're doing with that truck. And it's substantially different than the Ram, the standard Ram. The chassis, everything is really different. It is a different truck. It's not a it's not a Ram with a, a Hellcat engine dumped in the under the hood. That is not what it is. So I was leaning that way until I went and got familiar with the F-150 in the last two weeks. And his, this is what's fascinating. To me, one of the reasons the Ram has been such a compelling truck for the last like eight plus years is that innovative wise, when it comes to new features that are very effective for truck owners, I thought the Ram was killing it. And I think the Ram has been killing it. Uh, and it, if you want to make the it, the Silverado is what it's been killing because we know where the market share has gone between those two in the last uh, eight years. And I, it hasn't really unseated the F-150, but it's gotten a lot more uh, threatening toward it. And it has unseated officially on sales last year, the Silverado. So how did that happen? And to me, it happened because of all these cool innovations that the truck had Ram boxes and, you know, having the first diesel in a light duty and uh, um, air suspension. And a, I think it was the first one to have an eight-speed automatic that really made it, you know, uh, very fuel efficient and drive really well. So it just had a great styling. It's had really since 94, in my opinion. So it just kind of kept chipping away with great innovations. When I saw the new F-150, I was like, you know, it looks more like the revised F-150. You know, it's not that different looking. Well, I'm still not going to make a claim on how much the structure of the F-150 has changed in this redesign. But what has changed in this redesign is a bevy, a wealth, a long list of new innovative features that only that truck offers now and no other truck offers. Basically, Ford outrammed the Ram, and in my opinion, way overdue. I kept thinking, you know, the Ram's just more innovative than any of the other trucks sold in this country right now. And that has been true since around 12 or 13. Now the F-150 can reclaim that crown. So regardless of its substantive, substantive change to the chassis, the amount of features that now offers truck buyers that no other truck offers that that are new and innovative and only it has is dwarfing everyone, including the Ram. So ultimately, I think the uh, F-150 should win North American Truck of the Year. Yeah, I agree with the all the features and uh, the, the, the smart things that they've included into, into that uh, new truck. And actually, I have a, a video on my YouTube channel. It has gotten over 130,000 views. It's a walk around with uh, one of the product managers from the thing. And like, there's a lot of comments on that. But I have to say positive and negative. There's some people who are saying that it's just too gimmicky, too many little things that probably going to break. Uh, for example, the shifter for the transmission falls down 
and uh, you can have a, a, a desk, a table where you can put your computer and work on it. So a lot of people are worried about that, for example. Uh, what do you think, Lauren? Honestly, I think that's one of the coolest things. I'm, I am a Ford truck owner, have been for years. So full disclosure. However, I have driven the Chevy. I have driven the Ram. I've driven the Nissan Titan, which I'm going to miss the XD because I thought it was a really smart choice. Um, but I, I'm honestly, looking at the vehicles, I know the Ford Heavy Duty is in the lineup. And as a Ford Heavy Duty owner at 350 Crew Cab Dually Diesel, that's my personal choice, but for the everyday usage and the people that would potentially own a Ford truck, you have to look at that. And they're the number one selling truck for 42 years for a reason. The reason is not just the price, not just the resale. It's also the insurance rates. But when you look at that vehicle, what they've done to step in front of Ram, who has always tried very hard to get in front of Chevy, I think they got a, Ram's got a great chance of getting in front of Chevy, especially with the TRX which are all sold out from what I'm hearing and the dealers are charging premiums. And I really love the trucks. As a matter of fact, I'm posting my review this weekend uh, with a new contributor to our team. But I, I, I think one of the things that when I look at the Ram truck, which won last year's truck of the year, does it really deserve it? And it does the masses be able to use it? And I don't see that. And 700 horsepower is crazy. But the F-150, when you go to the absolute base XL trim level, still has roll-up windows if you want it. Great if you run fleets, if you're actually using it as a work truck. But what you can add as you work your way up to the ones we all want, the King Ranch, the Platinum, the Limited, you know, all the real expensive trim levels. I think they've really thought about who's using it and what they want. The ability for the handle to fold flat so I can actually unfold the center console to eat or to work. And, and as someone who uses a truck all the time, I think that's really smart because no one else has come up with that. Obviously, you're not going to use it while you're driving. It won't let you fold the, the shift handle down while you're driving. But then the seats that fold flat, I can't tell you how many times I've been driving cross-country to a race where hauling a trailer, and I hope they put a lot of these features in the new uh, Super Duty for the future, but right now they don't. Uh, the seats fold fully flat, and you can adjust them, and they're massaging. And they're, I mean, I couldn't believe how much was offered in that F-150. And fully loaded, your first thought is, it's a $100,000 truck. It's got to be. It's like a Lincoln but it's a Ford pickup truck. I mean, with all the features. But to me, I'm, it came in like, I think, uh, just under 90. Now, if you're smart, you don't pay retail. You negotiate. Uh, and if you're a previous customer, you always ask for the loyalty discount to save money. That's a couple thousand dollars on a fully loaded truck. So don't, if you're thinking about buying an F-150 or any truck for that matter, or any car, always ask for the loyalty or conquest discount. You'll save between $500 and $2,500, depending on the price of the vehicle. Obviously, more for a more expensive vehicle. But I think that Ford, with a hybrid engine, and I towed with the 5-liter, the hybrid, and the diesel. And I was shocked with the 5-liter engine. It didn't even feel like it was behind me. You know, usually when, if you've ever towed a trailer, you get that like chug-chug kind of feeling. It wasn't there at all. Yeah. In fact, you almost look in the rearview mirror and go, is the trailer still there? You know, And the hybrid had that same <laughs> experience. So I think they're going to sell a lot of these hybrids. The diesel half ton was smart move. They had to compete because GM and Ram was already there, which I think they were slow to respond to that. But overall, I think the F-150 should win. That's my personal opinion. Okay. Uh, actually, we'll run out of time on this segment, but I think there's a lot more to talk about that. So we come back and I add a little bit of uh, more information about the F-150 in the second segment. We'll be back. Total Car Score podcast with Carl Barrow and Lauren Fix, and we're talking about the 
Ford F-150 uh, candidate for truck of the year, Noctoy truck of the year 2021, 20, 20, <laughs> right? Yeah. I think we're all done so, with 2020 in many ways. Yeah. So, so one of the things that impressed me a lot was that generator, 7,200 kilowatt generator on the back of the hybrid. That was amazing. And my initial thought was it would be nice to have it when it's a hurricane in Miami <laughs> because you can pretty much like power your half of your house at some parts of your house with that. But may, let, let's make it not a hurricane. Like it, that, that uh, Carl was talking about innovation and things that work for work side. That's fantastic too. Right, Carl? Yeah, it is. And the whole hybrid, you know, uh, integration into that vehicle and kind of like when Ford went to aluminum body structure in 2015, or when they went to, uh, primarily V6 engines instead of V8 engines back in the 2000s. These were all first movers. They were the first ones to make those moves in the truck segment. And there were a lot of people questioning whether they were smart moves. And most of the other truck uh, sellers out there are like, damn, I wish we'd have done that now in retrospect. Mm -hmm. So their hybrid integration, it's not just like, oh yeah, it gets better mileage. It's got all those features like you were saying, Javier, with with on-site uh, battery power and I mean, it's, and it can charge itself up. You don't have to plug it in, you know, it'll, it'll monitor the battery pack that you're talking about that has the 7,200 kilowatt power. And if it gets low, this truck will start to charge itself back up. And I kept making jokes. I think other people were too about, you know, you could literally drive one of these trucks, just pick a random wilderness area with some trees, drive it into there and like, and have a bunch of power tools in either the back seat or in the bed and build a cabin, like build a log cabin with yeah. just that truck and the power tools, because you can be running, you know, uh, circular saws and all sorts of drills and everything else for, for days without anything else around. So, uh, it's, it's a pretty neat combination of features, by the way, that's the truck. I've literally got one right now in my, uh, driveway and I drove it 250 miles yesterday because I had to go North of uh, LA for a press event and come back down again. And the power from that hybrid, you know, that instant torque that they've integrated into the rest of the drivetrain with the internal combustion is when you decide, oh, shoot, I want to get around this person. I, get, I want to get in that hole in traffic before it closes. You're there. So it's uh, it's cool. If you take everything else away and just like, I just want a truck that has real, you know, immediate throttle response when I roll into the throttle without buying a 700 horsepower TRX, uh, the hybrid uh, F-150, new one for 2021 is going to be pleasing a lot of people. Yeah, one uh, one of the criteria for the award is that how useful, how uh, important it is for customers. It's not like for us to have fun. Of course, the TRX was really fun, flying really literally when we went to test it in Reno in Nevada. Uh, but I mean, it's a, a fun truck, but in reality, even Ram uh, admits nobody really needs that truck. I mean, there's a few people who can afford it and bought them immediately, right? The first edition, Lauren. Right. But uh, the, the Ford F-150 is more useful for consumers. And that's one of the things that we as jurors uh, have to take into account when we vote. Right. I mean, hey, I wouldn't mind driving a TRX every day. And and, and if you're really into cars and, and you know, when you hear that spool, it sounds like gear drive. Do you guys know what gear drive is? Mm -hmm. I Carl's got an Okita yeah. drive. You yeah. hear a lot of strips. He's like, yeah. that spin up, and it's it's the supercharger. But it sounds so cool that you want to slam your foot on the gas every time and launch the truck. All right, you know that's great. But if you got to like go to the mall, get your kids, you know, go to the airport, you're not going to leave that truck just about anywhere. It's a really expensive truck. 
And for everyday use, it makes no sense. If you're using it as a work truck, the bed has a tire mounted in the back. So you'd already lose a portion of the bed. So as for everyday usage, the F-150, I think, really takes the cake. Yeah. So we're going to keep talking about Ford because there were some actually news about other car that is in the semifinalist list for uh, utility vehicle of the year, which is your favorite, Lauren. I'm kidding. <laughs> Mark E. But it's the GT Performance Edition, 0 to 60 in 3.5 seconds. Uh, does that convince you any any nope. way? Nope. I have, Carl and I both have GTs, so we're biased. But uh, But honestly... You know, when you're saying, oh, yeah, it's really fast, I don't care. It's an electric car. It doesn't work for everyone. Where I am right now in Florida, there is zero, zero plug-in stations. So I would have to travel, you know, off this location probably 30, 40 minutes to plug in. I'm not doing that. That's ridiculous. And you're not going to drag a cord. I'm on the fifth floor, so I throw a cord out the window and hope that's long enough to reach the truck or the car. I, to me, that this sense. <laughs> uh, maybe for some people it does. If you don't drive a lot, but I drive, I just drove 15 hours and I'm going to drive 15 hours again very soon. When I drive, I don't want to be limited. I'm, I guess that's maybe a personal thing. I don't like to be limited in anything I do. So <laughs> I think I, Carl has, you've done electric cars and I have a, a Mach-E coming to the house next week and I will drive it and I will evaluate it and post a review as I would any other vehicle, but to own it, I, I'm, I tell you what, drive a GT500 and you won't want anything else. Yeah, I uh, tend to agree. I'm driving it next week also at an event they're having here. Um, and so I'm looking forward to experiencing it. And I think if if it didn't have a Mustang badge on it and it was everything else, even the clear Mustang derived styling of the front and the back, that would have been kind of cool. It's like, well, it's really kind of Mustang inspired hybrid and we call it the, and it could have just been called, I think you and I have talked about this, Lauren, the Mach-E. It should have just yep, been- I'm with Ford you 100%. Then it would have had a tie into Mustangs because the mock word, but it wouldn't have been actually putting a Mustang badge anywhere on it. And I think that would have made me happy. But, you know, Ford is trying to pull every lever with that vehicle. You know, they're, they're trying to live up to the standards set by the Model Y from Tesla. And I keep saying, you know, I'm waiting for the non-Tesla successful EV. Haven't yet seen one. Seen lots of EVs and seen lots of Teslas. Haven't seen the successful non-Tesla EV yet. Still waiting. Uh, the Mach-E is going to have probably the best shot because it lines up against the Model Y perfectly between price, performance, style. I mean, it's kind of scary almost how much they, they Ford kind of was, we'll just say inspired by the Model Y, but it's got a Mustang badge on it. Now, there's a certain amount of people, I think one or two of them might be on this podcast who, who think that's a merit mm. for the Mach-E, but there's potentially going to be people that's like, cool, it's a, like a Mustang, but it's a hybrid. And nah, nah, nah. So we'll see if that, you know, no other EV can claim that kind of historical nameplate attached to it. So we'll see how it does. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest mistake was going with, when you say Ford, they're, they're, what I was told from high up executives, and I know we've had this conversation off the podcast, that they feel, and this goes all the way to the top, they feel that the Mustang name can stand as its own brand. And they their answer is it's the same as Porsche with the Cayenne. I go, no, I own a Porsche Cayenne diesel. That's no. not the same thing. Porsche didn't call the Cayenne, their SUV, a Porsche. They didn't call it a 911. They didn't call it a 911 Cayenne. They called it a Cayenne. And the Macan is a Macan. And they're supposed to be coming out with another smaller one. But still, the fact is they were smart about how they did it. You don't see any of the other brands doing that. I mean, GM even separated... Their brands, you know, as far as trucks, 
Ram has Ram truck. You know, they're not calling it the Hellcat Ram truck. They're calling it the Ram TRX. So, I mean, sometimes it, although it sounds great on the surface and somebody in marketing thought it was a great idea, it's not. And it really ticks off real Mustang owners. And I've got quite a stable of horses, shall we say. And I would never own one. And everyone I know in the Shelby Club and the Mustang Club, are you kidding? If you call it a Mach-E, we're in. You call it a Mustang Mach-E, we're out. Okay, you mentioned Porsche, and Porsche named the Taycan the turbo for the for the most powerful electric car. So you don't agree with that either, I bet. No, I, I think the Taycans are cool. If you told me today, Lauren, you have to buy an electric car. I don't care. Buy an electric car, I'd buy a Taycan. I think it's freaking cool. It's good looking. It makes a statement. It's really expensive. But if you got to buy one, make a statement. So... Again, run out of time, and we're going to keep talking Ford in the next segment because, as mentioned, as Carl mentioned, he just drove the Bronco Sport, so we'll talk about that. Uh, also, finalist for Utility Vehicle of the Year, and I drove the Defender finally, and so we'll talk about that when we come back. Here with a Total Car Score podcast with Carl Brower and Lauren Fix. And uh, Carl, let's uh, get to it immediately. 2021 Ford Bronco Sport. Uh, how do you like it? The Bronco Sport, I got to tell you, the way I think about how it drives is uh, embargoed until uh, after this podcast is going to debut. So I can't actually tell, tell you yet. Um, uh, but I did drive it and we talked about everything else. And um, you know what was neat about the event was that First of all, they took us to uh, Hungry Valley, which is a very well-known um, press, uh, sorry, uh, off-road area that um, is north of Los Angeles. And you can do almost anything, like every level of off-road capability that you would want to seek from light to extremely difficult is there. And they took us in the Bronco and they took us um, to some pretty ex uh, extreme stuff. And that's, that's all I'll say there. Uh, but they also had one of the non-sports, one of the Bronco Broncos that doesn't have the word sport after it up there. Mm -hmm. So that was the first oh, time I was awesome. around one in person, not at an auto show or even uh, in a photo, but like standing next to it and could walk around and even get in it and stuff. And that was neat because I was able to really get a sense of its kind of presence, which you can't tell through photos. You, as you guys both know, you got to be in person before you know a car's true, true, true presence. And I think the Broncos got that. And uh, Mike Levine, who is the Ford PR product uh, head uh, communications guy and was at this event, He'd been driving it the previous weekend. He'd been driving a Bronco, uh, you know, that's what we're well ahead of its release date and nobody really knows anything about it as far as driving details. But everyone wants one and there's a big backlog of demand. And he had it out driving around uh, this past weekend. And he said, yeah, he said it was almost a little scary. You know, when you're on the freeway and you see people doing, you know, four or five lane changes in one shot next to that <laughs> thing so they can get a close up look and all. And people are just, and I was like, well, you may, you may not believe this, uh, Mr. Levine, but I've experienced that in a Ford product too, you know, but, but mine, I had to spend considerably more than, you know, the 50,000, 50, give or take, get a new Bronco for. So I said, that's impressive that you're getting that kind of reaction for much less money than I had to spend on my Ford that does that. But um, yeah, he said it was really causing a stir everywhere he took it. And so that car is going to cause 
a lot of uh, a lot of interesting uh, traffic situations when it finally gets out there. But I think there's going to be a lot of interest when it hits the market in the next like five months. Yeah, we experienced a little bit of that when we were in Ann Arbor in October for the Nactoy test drive with the Bronco Sport. And we drove short loops there. But again, people were stopping us in the sport, which is pretty cool. But it's not the two-door or the four-door or the four door that, that causes that much more commotion on the highway. But uh, just the name, bringing back the name, I think it's uh, doing a, a great thing for Ford. Right, Lauren? Oh, yeah. The Bronco name is big. This this probably been the most hyped vehicle, although Defender's been hyped in other things. They've hyped the Bronco brand so much. I, I would, if I had to guess right now, I would say it's going to be a final three because that's what we're voting for next. I would say it's a tough call, but I'm I'm going to call out on my own. GV80, Bronco Sport for sure, although the Bronco I think is a cooler vehicle, uh, the two-door and the four-door, and I'm thinking Defender. But I may be wrong. There's still a couple strays out there, but I have to say the Bronco is cool. They did a nice job bringing it back. They've done a great job promoting it. But we're all kind of waiting on that two-door, four-door. That's the one that I think is going to be amazing. And we'll get that for next year's uh, voting. But, hey, it's a tough class. SUV is always a tough class. There are so many good uh, vehicles. And I'm going to read them out loud here. The list is uh, not very long. The Escalade that I drove recently, too, it has really cool tech features, but I don't think it's enough. The Suburban, no. Trailblazer, I don't think it's up to the Bronco. Then the Bronco, the Mustang Mach-E, the GV8 that you mentioned, the Genesis, Hyundai Santa Fe, Kia Seltos, Kia Sorento, the Defender, Mazda CX-30, Nissan Rogue, uh, Toyota RAV4 Prime, Toyota Benza, and the XC40 Recharge from Volvo. So, those are yeah, really good cars. I, I think, really good vehicles. On I, know. I mean, you, if you bought any of those, you wouldn't walk away going, oh, that was, I'm really not a fan of the Trailblazer personally, and I reviewed it and kind of ripped it. But other than that, I mean, I, the rest of the vehicles, I if you bought it, I, I can't see you being disappointed. Absolutely. I, in any price range, because you go from the Rogue or the Seltos, uh, they're really good cars. They are. No, in a, in a yeah, normal we're all going to get the Sorento too. I think we're both. I think all of us are getting two Sorentos at one time coming up in the next couple of days. Yeah, you were saying, Carl. It shows the quality of the of the field because the Seltos is a great little SUV. Like when I first drove it months ago, and of course that's the other problem. It's kind of like the Academy Awards, right, where they wait till like December before they release all the movies they really want to win because they want them fresh in the judges' mind. Well, the Seltos came out like in the first part of this year. It was out back in like February and March. So a lot of people have forgotten about it, but I have not. And I remember driving it and thinking, wow, what you pay and what you get. And of course, it's I'm pretty sure it's the same platform as the Kia or as the Hyundai Kona, which is also a great vehicle. That was out last year. So this is kind of like the Kia version of that. Right. And the, the Hyundai Kona is a great, a great little SUV too. And the, the Kona EV is really good. Like if someone said to me, you were talking about having to buy an EV, Lauren, if someone said to me, you have to buy an EV and you got to use your own money, you can buy whatever EV you want, but it's all your money and I'm making you buy one in the next like 48 hours, I'd probably get a Kona EV. I just, I was super impressed by that car. It is a great uh, car. I had a, a girlfriend of mine called me and bought a, bought a Kona and another friend of mine bought a Seltos. They're just ecstatic with this product. I mean, yeah, they're really well executed. Nissan Rogue too. The Rogue is really good. I mean, I was on that press event about two months ago and I still clearly remember being highly impressed. I mean, that car's got a lot of tech. And it comes with a lot of standard features and tech at a very good price. So it, it in a in, an, in several, many other years that we've all been around for on Nactoy, those same cars would have took the crown. 
but this year you've got Broncos, you got GV80s, you got Land Rovers, Land Rover de- uh, Defenders. So it's it's a really tough field this year, as much or more than ever I've seen. Yeah, and the Toyota RAV4 Prime, even though it's the same car in general as the other one, but that uh, powertrain, electric powertrain, it's really amazing. A uh, neighbor of mine bought one, and she's loving it so much. She has it for uh, has had it for four months. Maybe she's gone to the gas station twice, <laughs> and she's been driving Miami, Orlando. Miami, like all over the place. Uh, she loves it. She loves it because of that uh, possibility. So that's the the midterm between gas and fully electric, right, Lauren? Like that's a good compromise. Right, right. I'm a diesel fan. I mean, I posted a picture on Instagram. You can follow me at Lauren Fix. <laughs> Seven hundred miles on my Cayenne, my 2016 Cayenne, thirty miles to the gallon, all day long. I, I, you know what? Not many vehicles get you thirty miles to the gallon. Uh, one of the other vehicles you that we listed that I really, really love, and I reviewed it, and I loved it, and the feedback's been amazing, is on the Venza. I think the Venza is a winner in a lot of ways because you're basically getting everything that's in a Lexus, but it isn't. And I, I really I, I really didn't want to give that one back. There's a few cars I go, I want to give back this TRX. Can I keep it? You know, But this is one of those vehicles as a daily driver. I was really impressed, and it gets overlooked because of so much other good quality candidates. Yeah. So the other one I drove recently, finally, uh, is the Defender. And I have to say, it's a, it's a fantastic car. And maybe it didn't cause as much as commotion as the Ford uh, Bronco that uh, Mike was driving down in, I don't know, Michigan or California or wherever. But uh, a lot of people stopped me and like trying to see it. And then I found a neighbor. Well, it's not that close to my house. Someone who lives nearby who has uh, imported one from England in 1984 that he's been fixing for years. And uh, obviously he he loves that project and he drove it for a, for a little bit and um, obviously likes the tech, the, the design, the, the features that the new one has, but he still appreciates more the other one. So I don't know if either of you had had any of those experiences when you had that Defender where people who really like the old uh, style uh, have what kind of reaction they have with the new one, Carl? Um, I've only driven it at the press event, although they had old ones, original ones there, which were really cool looking. And I was taking photos of them, of course. And it was like, yeah, those old ones still look really neat. But I found that the, the car was super impressive. I mean, between its throttle response and its steering confidence, like that filled, you know, almost sports car like, and yet, you can do pretty much anything off-road. It's as capable as like a, a Tacoma or a Wrangler uh, or the probably the new Bronco that's coming uh, um, when it goes off-road. So I think that's an amazing spectrum of capability. I think it looks great. I think it's got a bunch of cool features. And there's like, you can do so many personalization things even when you go to this website and configure one. I love how many different ways you can put one together and there's a two and a four door version of course so i'm a big fan of the defender and it's and it's funny because we've talked about it but then the other one we mentioned kind of in passing that i wanted to bring up because what you said javier was the gv80 because i was driving the genesis gv80 in uh los angeles at the press event and now and then i've just had ones here recently and this is the most car jaded city in the planet as far as i'm concerned meaning you know you can drive like a ferrari you know, Enzo down the street. And it's like, well, you know, you'll get some people kind of looking, but no one's going to be super tipped over like they would in any other location on the planet and all. And certainly any kind of medium, normal exotic cars or people like, yeah, whatever. 
and people were doing double takes on the GV80. I noticed that I'm driving the GV80 and I see people and I was going through like Beverly Hills on sunset and there were people doing double takes, looking at it, trying to clearly figure out what it was and probably, you know, thinking it looked pretty good. And so I was like, wow, this is, I haven't seen many, you know, premium SUVs that can cause double takes in uh, Los Angeles, but this one is. Yeah, it's really good looking. I love the design in that car. So you want to give your final three or ahead of time or we wait for the vote? And then wait for the recalls and the lawsuits and all that. No, I agree with Lauren. Oh, I think, a tough call. Yeah. I think uh, you mean the final for all the categories. No, I mean for the for utility. For utility. I'm going to agree with Lauren and say GV80, Land Rover, Defender, and Bronco Sport. There's a lot of good product. I agree with you, Carl. I mean, I, I love the Venza. I know that the 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 Toyota Prime. Everybody loves it, and it and it's problem is there's only like a couple hundred of them coming to the U.S. and they're all pre-sold. And the dealers are just jacking up the prices, which really irritates me. I think the Mach-E is unique, but honestly, I don't think they're going to have the sales traction that they think they're going to have because the average person who thinks Mustang, that doesn't make sense. If they use Mach-E, fine, but there's EV sales as a whole are only less than 2% of the entire 17.1 million vehicles sold last year. So that's not a lot of vehicles. So giving that vehicle utility of the year, I know Ford's going to be mad at me and I know everyone there. I just don't, I just don't see it going to the masses. You know what I mean? I, I think the Bronco, and they're competing against themselves as well. Maki or Bronco Sport. I would say put your eggs in the Bronco Sport basket, in my opinion. Well, they're going to sell more of those, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's mention the car of the year list. There's it's very short Acura 2LX, Cadillac CT4, and the B variant. Genesis again with the G80, the whole Elantra family, including the N line and the plug in hybrid, Kia K5, formerly known as Optima, Mercedes Benz E Class, Nissan Sentra, and Polestar 2. Any favorites there, Lauren? Oh, yeah. Um, there's a couple good ones. I mean, I, I kind of gave the TLX a tough time because the A-Spec and the regular vehicle were no different other than trim package. But I think they did a really nice job improving where they were lacking in the previous TLX. So I, I give Acura TLX one of the final spots. G80, just like the GV80. If you haven't driven one, don't go buy the pictures. Don't go buy our reviews. Go sit in one and drive one. And you will say, holy moly, th this is a Genesis. I mean, it's like this is a Genesis kind of blows people away because they've been stealing the German designers and, and everyone, you know, planners. And, and that's what you're starting to see is that personality coming into the product. You probably won't see it fully for three to five years, but I think the G80 is impressive. And I'm really, really impressed with the Nissan Sentra. I kind of had like, nah, I'm, I'm not really sure until I drove it. And I said, wow, you get so much for your money. It's just really, really impressive. So I think TLX, G80, and Sentra are my choices. I think I'm going to go with G80. The Elantra family really impressed me a lot. And I'm dividing my, or, or thinking about my final vote for K5 or the Sentra. Mm. Carl? Yeah, I'm pretty much all, you know, you guys have identified all of them, right? Like I'm not going to, I don't see the Polestar 2 taking it uh, as, as uh, you know, kind of unique and new as that vehicle is. Um, I think the G80 has a shot. I think the Sentra has a shot. I think the K5 has a shot. I think the TLX has a shot. That's four. Um, and if I was going to have to narrow it down to three, uh, I'd probably, well, I think the TLX will probably be the in that mix, 
but I personally would probably pick K5 over TLX and I like the TLX too. So yeah, all the accurate people are going to be mad at me too. I really like the TLX, but what you pay and what you get in that new K5, it's really stupid and annoying that they changed the name from Optima because they had a lot of brand equity and I like that name much more. But in spite of that, that shows you how much I like the car. Even after they messed the name up, I still think it's a fabulous car and I drove it and, and especially the performance version. I mean, that felt like a German premium luxury sedan and it's a front wheel drive you know, mainstream sedan that competes with the Accord and the Camry. And I couldn't believe how it felt when I drove it. Really cool conversation. And let's call this our final debate before the election. And nobody yell at each other. So <laughs> we good. don't do that. We're all friends. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So by next week, I think we're going to be doing uh, the voting for the semifinalists and then another round of voting for the winners that uh, will be announced in January. So that's all the time we have for this week. I hope uh, you guys stay safe wherever you are, Lauren, Florida, or Buffalo, and same to you, Carl, in California. Excellent. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah, me too. Thanks. See you next week. Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at TotalCarscore.com. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.